assignment this morning is of course to speak to you on the subject to know Christ and this subject of course is very broad and will not say everything that could be said about it in the time that we have this message, I hope, will serve as a reminder of some truths that we already know. And I seriously doubt that I will say anything that you haven't heard, especially in light of how well-fed we are week after week by our pastor. I want to <clears throat> begin by saying that the words know and knew in Scripture often express the idea of an intimate relationship. I'm going to read some verses to you. I'll not have you turn to them. If you want to jot down Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, the reference, it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Adam knew Eve. That speaks of an intimate, and of course in this case, an intimate physical relationship. The Lord said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew you. What is God saying there? He's not saying to Jeremiah, I knew about you, because that goes without saying. God is omniscient. What he was saying is, before I formed you in the womb, I had an intimate personal relationship with you. Now, there's a lot of questions that could be asked about that that I don't have the answers to. I would say that there's some things going on in the womb between God and the baby that we may not be aware of. After all, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. There's, a, there's some mystery there. But God was saying to Jeremiah, I, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I knew you. I had a relationship with you. One more. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. What ominous words to be heard on that day. 
I never had a personal relationship with you. You never had a personal, intimate relationship with me. Depart. Folks, this thing of knowing Christ is most assuredly of eternal significance. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. As I thought about this subject over the last several weeks, and I'm so grateful for the organization. I told our pastor as, we, as I walked out last week, I'm grateful for your organization and your communication. He's easy to follow. Amen. He told me a month, over a month ago, he said, hey, can you preach for me on this? Can you imagine having a month to prepare for a sermon? What a joy. And so I've thought a lot about this, and as I thought about it, it's evident that there are at least two prerequisites for a relationship. And, and I think it's self-evident. I'm going to give you what I think those two relationships are. And then I want to look at 1 John 1, verses 1 through 3, and kind of point out these elements as John writes to his readers. But here are the prerequisites for a relationship. Here they are. Communication and observation. Communication and observation. We get to know someone by communicating with them and observing their lives. Holly and I have been married for 40 years. I have observed her in just about every scenario that you can think of. And I seriously doubt there's not any hypothetical scenario, scenario that you could present to me that I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly how she would respond. Because we've been talking, and I've been watching her for 40 years. I'll give you an example. This is what I know about her. She told me one time, in fact, she's told me this several times. She said, I don't like it when people quote what I said to other people. <laughs> she don't like that. <laughs> and I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> just not going to do it. Baby, I love you. It's evident that there are two prerequisites for a relationship, communication and observation. We get to know someone by communicating with them and observing their lives. Now, are you at 1 John chapter 1? I want to just kind of read this with emphasizing some words. 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. Here we go. That which we've heard from the beginning, which we have heard. That's communication which we have seen, that's observation, with our eyes, which we looked upon, that's observation, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have 
observed it. We have seen it and testified to you and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and which was made manifest to us, which we have observed and who has communicated. We proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but in that passage of Scripture, is a great foundation for the theme of our of our our church to know christ he expresses that in the first part and then he says we proclaim also to you that is to make christ known and that's dustin's assignment next week to make christ known now, before we leave that text, there's another word that I want to talk to you about. And that is the word fellowship. Notice he says that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and His Son. The word fellowship is a word that denotes relationship, right? So we see these observation, communication, in the context of relationship, fellowship. But it is a particular kind of relationship. And it's the kind of relationship that you have with Christ if you have a relationship with Christ. And here's what I mean by that. To be sure, the idea of communication is expressed by that word fellowship. And if you look at the word, it's, it's koinonia in the Greek. And if you look it up, uh, it, it, it is a word that talks about communion or communication. But there's another concept in this word. And that is the concept of partnership or participation, participation together. Participation together. So what John was saying here is this. We are in communication and partnership with the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. To know Christ is to be in partnership with Christ. And implicit in that word partnership is the idea of working together to accomplish a task or a goal. To know Christ is to be in partnership with Christ, to work together with Him to accomplish a task or a goal. Keep that thought in your mind if you will. By the way, John's summary of his experience and partnering with Christ for over three years is given to us in John 1.14. After, after hearing him and observing him for three years, this is what John had to say about him. He said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his Glory. We've seen his glory as of the only Son from the Father, 
full of damnation and scorn. No. Full of grace and truth. That's our Christ. Now the Lord Jesus Christ used a metaphor in Scripture to picture this relationship, this partnership. And that's what I would like to focus on for the rest of our time together this morning. So I would ask you to turn now. This will be the last place I have you turn. Matthew chapter 11, very familiar portion of Scripture. I'll bet you there's a bunch of people who could stand and quote this text. But we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. The words of Jesus. He says, come to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, what is a partnership? Working together. Here it is. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Folks, this is an invitation from the Lord Jesus Christ to come and get in yoke with him, to partner with him, and in the process, know him. So I want you to notice some truths about knowing Christ from this metaphor. And the first one is this. To know Christ is to experience his rest and refreshment. We're talking about what it means to know Christ. To know Christ is to experience his rest and refreshment. Notice again verse 29. Come to me all who labor. That word labor means to work to the point of exhaustion. This is an invitation to exhausted people and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. That word rest means to soothe, to refresh, to relax. To know Christ is to experience his rest and refreshment. I'm probably going to say this later on, but I'm thinking about it now, so in case I forget, I will have said it. This is not 
an invitation to passivity. We might conclude from just this one point, it, to know Christ is, well, just let go and let God. That's not, that's not what's being taught here. Because he doesn't say, come and get on my back and I will carry you. He says, come and get in my yoke and bear my load with me. There is participation. There is effort involved. But in the midst of the effort, there is rest and refreshment. Jesus spoke these words to a people who were laboring under the heavy burden of pharisaical legalism. And boy, I could, I, I could preach a whole sermon right here about pharisaical legalism. I mean, it was, it was enslaving. It was bondage. It was grievous. It was hard. You could never measure up. And they practiced a performance-based religion rather than a grace-based relationship. And to those people, he says, I have something better for you. I offer you a grace-based relationship. And you'll find rest. And I want you to notice where this rest and relaxation is located. Again, in verse 29, he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I think it's rather telling that he did not promise that you would always have plenty of rest for your body. Because Paul certainly speaks of time when his body was wore out. And we, we wouldn't conclude that he was not in yoke with Jesus because of physical exhaustion. As a matter of fact, I can almost guarantee you that when you get yoked up with Christ, there are going to be times when you are experiencing physical exhaustion. But you realize that you can be physically exhausted and spiritually refreshed. That's what he's promising. Rest unto your souls. This, this rest is internal. Circumstances may be grueling and tempestuous. Though the storm rages and there's strife all around. In Jesus I'm safe for his grace does abound. His promise of peace is secure. The joy of his spirit is sure. That's what we are promised by Christ when we get in yoke with him. But it's internal. It's, it's the same peace that Jesus has. That's what he's promising here. The same peace that he has, he's promising to all those who get in yoke with him. I don't know if you ever thought about this or not. 
But our Lord Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he has exquisite peace. There's never been a conversation like this with the, with, between the Trinity. Father, what are we going to do about COVID? Look at that in there. It's spreading. What are we going to do about Trump? What are we going to do about Biden? What are we going to do about the liberals? What are we going to do? It's not like that. He has perfect peace because he is perfectly control of it all. You thought I was going to get political, didn't you? <laughs> this rest of soul is the same peace that Jesus has. Here's what he said in John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace. There it is. My peace I give to you. It's a relational peace. It's peace because of a relationship. And then he said this, not as the world gives do I give unto you. What's the difference between the peace that the world gives and the peace that Christ gives? The peace that the world gives is strictly circumstantial. The peace that Christ gives is relational, internal. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So to know Christ is to experience his rest and refreshment. Secondly, to know Christ is to experience his purpose and direction. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light, verse 30. I know you all know this, but I'll just remind you of it. A yoke is a beam or a crossbar that connects two animals together in order to bear a load. And there's a characteristic of a yoke that is very important, especially in what Jesus is teaching in this metaphor. And that character it, characteristic is... A yoke is inflexible, which means that they w must walk together in lockstep. Wow. A yoke is an instrument of partnership. I find it interesting that you not say, take my rope upon you. Depending on how long the rope is, he could be on the road, you could be way out in the field. Or he could be way back there and you could be way up there. Or he could be way up there and you'd be way back there on the No, take my yoke, get in lockstep with me. Walk right with me. To know Christ is to experience his purpose and direction. Now notice this. It is his yoke. 
He doesn't offer to take our yoke upon him. Rather, he invites us to take his yoke upon us. See, in this relationship, in this partnership, he determines the load. He determines the destination. He determines the route. And he determines the pace. It's his purpose. It's his direction. And I love this. I said it once, I'll say it again. You may have forgotten since the last time I said it. This is not an invitation to passivity, but to partnership. Number three, to know Christ is to experience his teaching and instruction. I want to read verse 29 to you from the ESV. And then I want to read verse 29 to you from the KJV. The King James. Notice it first in the ESV. Notice what it says in the ESV. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In the King James, it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. Now, should it be translated from me or of me? Well, the word that's translated there many times is translated both ways in the scripture, but I think it illustrates something that's important to understand. When we are in yoke with Jesus, he teaches us about himself. We learn of him from him. He is both the teacher and the curriculum. You know, it's interesting. I hadn't planned to say this, but I think the Holy Spirit just put it in my mind. Folks, listen. If the Apostle Paul could say in Philippians that his primary goal was to know Christ when he already knew him, then we must understand that we don't know him as well as we need to know him. Amen? We need to keep walking in yoke with him and learn more and more from him about him. We learn about him by reading and hearing his words. That's communication. That's the scripture 
That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us in our hearts. Folks, do you believe the Holy Spirit? I didn't talk to Josh about this. I hope, I, but I think I know what he thinks. Do you all believe the Holy Spirit speaks to you in your heart? Amen. He does. Now you got to really be careful with that. I go up to Chuck and say, Chuck, God told me that you need to start wearing a toupee. I don't know what spirit that would be, but, you know. But folks, the truth is, as we read the scripture, as we meditate on the scripture, it's, it's in that experience that the Holy Spirit helps us to meditate on his word. And he is involved in that process. And he is speaking to our hearts. And to be honest with you, if the Holy Spirit's not involved in your Bible reading, you're not going to get much out of it anyway. That's what meditation is all about. And this thought just came to me when, when um, Josh was reading the scripture at the beginning of Psalm 105. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why in the Bible there's just not a bunch of things like we find in the epistles, like just didactic teaching, one thing after the other? Have you ever wondered why there's so many stories in the Bible? It just came to me, or I was reminded of it when you read Psalm 105. It's because we get to know someone through communication and observation. And isn't it interesting that we have both of these elements in the scripture because we see what God has done. And when we see God delivering the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt and pummeling Egypt with ten plagues, we get to know, get to know him a little bit by observing him. Amen. And we see Jesus weeping at the grave of Lazarus in that account. We get to know him. To know Christ is to experience his instruction and his teaching. We learn about him from by reading and hearing his words in Scripture. We learn about him by observing his works in Scripture, but also observing his works in our lives. The writer of Proverbs said, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. We see God at work in providence. I had an experience this week. I, I've changed up my devotions a little bit. And I'm, this is not a prescription or a recommendation. I have been following a Bible reading plan for about 15 years in my devotions. And here a while back, it just seemed good to me to take the psalm of the day and meditate as far into it as I possibly could and write and meditate and pray. And when my time was finished, however far I got in the psalm, that's where I quit. I've only been getting to the first couple of verses and one psalm that I meditated on this week, 
one of the things that it caused me to pray for for myself is that God would bring things into my life that would force me to trust him so that I could observe his glory when he works them out. And that's what I prayed for, that God would increase my trust with that process. And I prayed that for everybody on my prayer list that morning. And one of the people on that prayer list is my oldest grandson, Johnny Anderson. You're going to get to meet him in a few weeks. He's going to come here. I hadn't heard from Johnny in several weeks. He texted me the next day and he said, Hey, Paul, that's what they call me. Hey, Paul, how are you? I said, I'm fine, Johnny. How are you? Here's what he said. I'm fine. I'm really learning to trust God. Do you know what that was? That was Jesus teaching me about him in providence. We learn about Christ in creation. Oh, wow. One of the Psalms I read this week was Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech or language which their voice is not heard. And, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. Wow. You can look at the heavens and get to know some things about God. It's observation and it's communication. When we get in yoke with Jesus, he, we experience his teaching and his instruction. We learn from him about him. That's what it means to know Christ. Now as we close this morning, I want you to notice the incentives that Jesus gives us in this metaphor for getting in yoke with him. And they're identified by the word for. Verse 28. Come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Jesus, why should we get in yoke with you? For I am gentle and lowly and hard. You should, you should come and get in yoke with me because I am gentle and lowly in heart. Think about that with me for just a few moments. I am gentle and lowly in heart. The lion of the tribe of Judah is also the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. The one who is so majestic 
and powerful that he spake and worlds came into existence is so gentle and lowly that he invites weary and burdened people to come and partner with him and walk with him. Think about that. Isn't that amazing? The psalmist said in Psalm 38, verse 6, For though the Lord is high, and high he is, higher than the highest. I guess I should say he is the highest. I had a words of the song come into my mind that weren't exactly scriptural. I wonder why. But anyway, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. And because he is gentle and lowly in heart, and by the way, I was thinking about this. Those two go together. You know why people are gentle? Because they're humble. It has occurred to me that it's pride that often causes people to be harsh. Arrogance that produces harshness. And oh, how arrogant I have been in my life. How arrogant. I've been so harsh. So harsh. Especially with my kids. Fathers, this is a little sideline. Don't be harsh with your kids. Mothers, don't be harsh with your kids. Yes, they need correction. And yes, there are times they need to be rebuked. But there's a difference between loving rebuke and carnal harshness. I've had to ask every one of my kids since they've been grown to forgive me for being harsh to them. And I'm glad to report to you today that my sons are better fathers to their kids than I was to them. Sometimes I watch Jeremy and I'm amazed at his gentleness with his children. Now they don't get away. I'm not talking about a lack of correction, but I'm talking about a Loving gentleness. And the reason we should get in yoke with Jesus is because he is gentle and lowly in heart. Because he's gentle and lowly in heart, you need not worry about his rejection of you when you come to him on his terms and desire to get in his yoke. Jesus has never said to anybody who came to him on his terms and said, Lord, I want to get in yoke with you. Yeah, but you're not good enough. Listen, I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you don't measure up to being a my yoke, pal. That would be arrogance. He's not arrogant. He's gentle and lowly in heart. You know, <clears throat> have you ever been around unapproachable people. This is not going to be very profound. But I don't like to approach people who are unapproachable. <laughs> I just don't enjoy it. If I have to do it, I dread it. 
Unapproachable people usually have an exalted opinion of themselves. But not Jesus. He's approachable. You need not worry about his rejection. He receives us when we come to him on his terms to get in yoke with him. He receives us as a gift from his father. John 6, 37. All that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Never. Because he is gentle and lowly in heart, he is a wonderful person with whom to be yoked. Wonderful person. You know, I've been in yoke with Jesus since January the 3rd, 1976. Many times I have fallen. Not one time has he ever kicked me because he's gentle and lowly of heart. He's a wonderful person with whom to be yoked. What's the incentive? For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Notice the second incentive that's kind of with the first. We're not going to spend much time on that because we already have. The second incentive is you will find rest for your souls. And the last incentive that he gives for taking his burden or his yoke upon you is because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We cannot interpret that to mean that when we get in yoke with Jesus, we'll never have difficult circumstances. We will have difficult circumstances. We certainly can't infer from that that God will never put anything more on you than you can bear. That's about all he does. Huh? He always puts things on us that's more than we can bear. His yoke is more than we can bear. It's heavy. It's hard sometimes. Well, why does he say it's easy and light? It's because he bears the biggest part of it. If you put two animals together in a yoke, the one who is going to bear the greatest part of the load is the one who is the strongest of the two. Between us and Jesus, there's no contest. He's the strongest of the two. And when we're in yoke with him, things that are hard, things that are difficult, he in his grace, in his power, allows us to keep that internal peace and make it easier and lighter. To know Christ is to be in yoke with him. Here's the conclusion. What does it mean to come to Christ? 
in 2020? How can you come to Christ? He's not walking here. There's no geographical location where he's located. What does that mean? Well, to come to Christ is to believe in him. It is by faith. Jesus uses these two concepts interchangeably. That is, the concepts of coming to him and the concepts of believing on him. Let me just give you one example. John 6, 35. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He's using those two concepts interchangeably. So when he says, all ye that labor and heavy laden, come to me, it's tantamount to saying, believe on me. Trust me. Get in yoke with me. Let me be the one who determines the destination in your life, who determines the path of your life, who determines the pace of your life. Let me get in yoke with me. Let me take over. Surrender to me. That's what it means. Oh, by the way, you'll be satisfied when you do. You'll be satisfied. Let me ask you this question. Have you by faith came to Christ and gotten in yoke with him like what this text describes? As a Christian, if you have come to him, have you lost sight of the fact that you're in yoke with him and as, as a result of that lost that rest in your soul? If you have, I would just remind you this morning, he is gentle and lowly in heart. By faith, embrace this truth once again, and you can rest assured that he will not reject you or scold you. He won't say, you idiot. Why'd you do that? That's not how he operates. He's gentle and accepting and easily approachable. Maybe you've been walking in yoke with him, but you've stumbled and fallen. I got a question for you. How many of you would like to stand up this morning and describe the most wicked thing you've done in the last 30 days? Anybody? <laughs> ben? No? Well, I wouldn't either. The truth is, we fall. I just read this morning... One of the writers said that repentance is something we have to do every day. Sometimes we fall. He never puts us on probation. When we repent and confess, we can just get right back up and keep right on walking in yoke with him. To know Christ is to walk in yoke 
is to walk in partnership with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this wonderful truth. Lord, as it has occurred to me as I've been working on this message that we all have these perceptions of our life presently. Sometimes we perceive our lives as that we're just struggling and it's hard. And Lord, I pray that as we walk out of here today, that we will have an adjustment in the way we perceive our own lives. May we walk out of here with a firm conviction and comfort and joy of seeing ourselves in Jesus' yoke with Him. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.